Bobby, you are no longer my favorite guy named Robert with a shaved head. That would be new Jets coach Robert Sala. But good news for you, you're still my favorite guy named Robert, who I host a podcast with. The competition is high, and I'm glad I have procured that position. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. But if Robert Sala, who I'm sure listens to this podcast, if he wanted to let me know, hey, Jared, I'm interested in co-hosting the podcast with you, how would he do that? Well, first, you would tell him no, because (laughs) I'm co-hosting. And second of all, if he was interested, Jared, he would hit us up on Twitter or on Instagram at chatter underscore up or hit us up in an email at chatteruppodcast at gmail.com. Give us that rate, review, and subscribe, people. We really appreciate it. On this week's great episode of Chatter Up, we'll break down all of the divisional playoff games from yesterday. We'll talk to Sean Watson, Urban Meyer, James Harden to Brooklyn, what the hell is going on with Kyrie Irving, and a whole lot more. This is the episode to listen to more than any of the others. You're not going to want to miss this. Jared, I don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. Are you ready to do this with me and not Robert Sala? Oh, hell yeah. Then let's do this and let's chatter up. Jared, it's here. Another week of chatter up and another week of what did I miss? We have missed a ton in sports over the last week and I need you to catch me up. Would you do that for me, please? I will oblige you in that request, sir. Then please tell me what we missed this week. Bobby. There's four things you can count on in life. Death, taxes, a great Chatter Up episode every week, and Tom Brady playing in the conference championship game. And so now it is time for you. You know, I, I, you were supposed to kiss his behind last week. I don't think you did a great job at it. And so now's the time. Everyone listening remembers you said no playoffs for the Bucks before the season started because Tom Brady's not good anymore. Here we are. Tom Brady with a chance to again go to the Super Bowl, this time without the help of Bill Belichick. And so, Bobby, what are your thoughts on the greatest of all time, Tom Brady's trip to Lambeau for the NFC Championship game? Jared, I'm just so mad. And I know that's what everyone wants to hear. I'm just so mad because... I could keep bashing him, right? I could say that he was 0 for 5 in the first half on throws 20 yards down the field. I could say that he actually didn't win that game. He got great field position three times because of his great defense that he has. But, like, bottom line, end of the day, he is in another conference championship. I said 9 and 7. I said no playoffs. They went 11 and 5, made it as a wild card beat a a not so good Washington team, but one, you know, can't take that away from them. And then beat the saints who a lot of people you included had going to the super bowl. And they had saints had beaten them twice before handily. I just, I'm so tired of this and I am getting the smallest taste now of what you have been dealing with your whole life, which is just like, how much longer is it going to take before he just goes away? Done with this. I'm so tired of coming on week after week saying that there's this problem with him and there's this problem with him and there is there are these problems he's not the same guy and yet he keeps winning I don't know what to say anymore I mean sure I'm taking Aaron Rodgers next week and the Packers in Lambeau against Tom sure I I think that most people are but like I don't know at what was once I think maybe an 80 20 percent you know I, I would say I don't know, Tom Brady, no lower than 40%. He's just like the villain in horror movies. You can't kill him. It doesn't matter like how many times he gets shot, if he's like in a bomb explosion, in a fire. There's no way to actually kill him because here we are. He's like Godzilla. It's just crazy. And, and I don't disagree with you on anything you said that he hasn't been great in either of these games, right? He played pretty well against Washington, obviously well enough for them to win, but certainly didn't light the field on fire. And the same thing can be said yesterday. You're right. The defense obviously had a lot to do with that. Drew Brees, who may have been playing his final game in the NFL, was bad. I mean, he threw three interceptions. At least two of them were completely on him. And so it's fair to say, look, he's not the reason, at least in these two games, that they're going to the conference championship game. But that doesn't matter. At the end of the day, 
this is conference championship game number 14 for Tom Brady. And like you said, I, I'm not picking him to beat the, the Packers in Lambeau field. Cause the Packers look to be a level up on everybody else right now in the NFC, at least maybe in football, but at least in the NFC, but still it, it's just unbelievable what he does every, what he does every single season. And again, even if they lose this week, there's no reason to think, I know you bashed a little bit first performance this year, but still 40 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. We have yep. not seen any reason to think the, the Bucks won't be back here exactly in the same place next season. Yep, absolutely. And to turn on the other side really quick, I just want to touch on this. You mentioned that Drew Brees might have played his last game. Jared, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. The New Orleans Saints make it to the NFC Divisional Round and lose. Drew Brees has said before that he's contemplating retirement. Do we see Drew Brees in an NFL uniform again? No, I don't think we do. He had a ton of injuries this year. I don't even think he has any ribs left. They're all like gone from you know, having all these broken ribs. He just can't do it anymore. It's similar to what we talked about with Roethlisberger last week. Like, can he still play on a week-to-week basis? Yeah, he's still like pretty good, but he can't throw the ball down the field. So he's really just doing it on experience and IQ. I don't think he's good enough for the Saints to win a Super Bowl anymore. He's got a cushy job at NBC waiting for him. I don't think we see him again next year. Absolutely. I totally agree. Now, Jared, let's go from two really old and broken down quarterbacks to another MVP. Aaron Rodgers, Jared, and the Packers took down Los Angeles in what was really not a competitive game at any point, which maybe you can toss up to Aaron Donald, but completely took over. Thoughts on the should-be MVP and the Packers? they're a level up on everybody right now in the NFC. They could certainly lose to the Bucs. It's football. And, and let's not forget, the Bucs blew them out this year. The only playoff team that the Bucs beat this year was the Packers in a total whipping. But the way they're playing right now, I mean, you heard Sean McVay say after the game, Aaron Rodgers is just making it look so easy. He just appears to be in control the entire game. You're right. The Rams got it down to a seven-point game. At one point, it was 25-18 after that awesome hook and ladder two-point conversion but you never actually felt like the Rams were going to win the game. Even if they had tied the game somehow, I don't think anyone thought that they'd be able to pull it out and different class of opponent next week, because Tom Brady is 10,000 times better than Jared Goff, healthy or not. The Rams have a great defense, but the the bucks have a pretty good defense when they show up too. So different class of opponent next week, but the way the Packers are playing right now, it's, it's very difficult to pick against them and credit to you, Bobby, for your call before the season of, Packers going to the Super Bowl, and more importantly, Aaron Rodgers having an MVP campaign because right now you want to tell me Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football and that's the guy you want for the next 10 years, no argument, but who's playing the best right now? It's Aaron Rodgers, and I don't think it's particularly close. Yeah, he's, he's having an unbelievable revenge tour season. Everybody was doubting him, especially when they drafted Jordan Love. And the, the one thing I'll say about next week is – Every game that's happened in the playoffs right now, the better quarterback has won every game. And the better quarterback between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers right now is Aaron Rodgers, and it's not close. So I have to bet on him. They demolished L.A. I mean, and you're right. There was the two-point conversion that put it within, I think, was it one score? And it wasn't close after that. Like, you you never thought. And and I I feel the same way about Aaron Rodgers that I do about Patrick Mahomes. If they're within one score, eight or fewer points, and they have the ball, and there is more than a minute on the clock, I'm betting on them to minimum tie the game. And, like, there's, there's just there's no way that you think they're not going to go down the field and do that. And especially if they're up, I mean, come on. that's They're, they're too good to do that. I'm taking the Packers, going to the Super Bowl. It's going to be super interesting. Bobby, we just talked about Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs survived a little bit, maybe more than a little bit of a scare yesterday, beating the Browns with Chad Henney coming in relief for a injured Patrick Mahomes. Awesome season for the Browns. Look, I mean, they lose the game, but still a great season for them. Were you worried at any point yesterday that the Chiefs would not pull it out, Bobby? You're telling me that there's a backup quarterback whose last name starts with an H? No. Taylor Heineke was fantastic. <laughs> Chad Henney as also was fantastic. No, he wasn't. He wasn't fantastic. He threw a ball downfield that was like, what, like 10 yards away from Tyreek Hill into the end zone for an interception? Yeah. I mean, look, if Chad Henney's the guy that starts against Buffalo, no, I don't see a world where that happens, no matter how good they are, because Kelsey and, and Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman, like, they're as good as their quarterback. And I don't know Patrick Mahomes' plays. I'm not sure. I'm saying I, I, I was impressed that Henny mm-hmm. was able to hold on. I was impressed with the Chiefs' D 
that they were able to hold on. It seemed like momentum was swinging. And towards the end there, I, I really felt, I was like, wow, Cleveland's going to pull this out again. One quick thing that I'll add, and this is totally separate. Chase Claypool was like, oh, can't wait till they get clapped next week. Like, you need to shut up. Every yeah. single person on Pittsburgh needs to shut up. You guys got trounced. And you need to go back and deal with it and then come back next year. Cleveland put up a hell of a season, really gave it to the Chiefs. Would it have been that close if Patrick Mahomes was in the game? Probably not. But hell of a season for Cleveland. Kansas City, there are sirens sounding all over the place if Patrick Mahomes cannot play. Yeah, it was weird watching the end of the game because on the one hand, it's like it would have been such a cool story for Cleveland to win and go to the AFC Championship game. But on the other hand, like you want to see Mahomes, right? Like let's just assume if he's going to play this week. We obviously don't know at the time of recording, but let's assume he's playing. You want to see Mahomes against the Bills, right? And, and possibly Absolutely. the Super Bowl. So it was a little conflicting there. Yeah, I mean, Chad Henney, like Mahomes said, anything is possible, right? He, he did enough to get the job done. Great run on third and 14. I don't give them any chance to beat the Bills if Chad Henney actually has to start the game, but let's assume Mahomes is playing. And, man, that's we talked about it all season. We want to see Bills, Chiefs for the AFC Championship game. That's what we're going to get. Hopefully we get Patrick Mahomes as part of that. That's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be super fun. And I'll tell you, another game that was fun, that was actually played differently than I anticipated, Jared, as we mentioned, the Buffalo Bills are headed to the AFC Championship game after a pretty convincing win over Baltimore and what turned out to be more of a defensive game than an offensive mm-hmm. game. Jared, one, how impressed are you with the Bills? And two, are you having even more doubts about Lamar Jackson? I mean, I feel the same way about him as, I, as I've had going into this season, going into the playoffs. It hasn't changed. Like, he's good enough to win against anybody there are just days that he looks unstoppable like if he's accurate on a certain day it's impossible to stop him because he's faster than pretty much everyone on the field he can get to whatever spot he wants to get to but unfortunately those days are I'm not going to say few and far between but it's not he's not at the point yet where you have to worry about it every single week and the same problems come up every time if they fall behind by two scores or more it's like I don't see how they could get back in this game. And you saw the same thing this week. I mean, it was, he had one mistake that throw into the end. It was 10, three at the time the Ravens were driving easily could have been 10, 10 with about five, six minutes to go in third quarter. He throws the interception in the end zone. Taron Johnson runs back 101 yards for the touchdown. But at that point they go down 17, three, you're like, I don't see how they're going to get back in this game. So it's the same problems that they've had pretty much since Lamar got there. We'll see what they do over the offseason, try to fix it. They need more weapons. I'm not counting them out for next season, but they're clearly behind Buffalo and the Chiefs by at least a decent margin. In terms of Buffalo, what's pretty crazy is, like, I don't think they've played particularly well in their two playoff wins. They kind of scraped by Indianapolis. And then this week again, like, yeah, they won convincingly, but they certainly weren't at their best. Josh Allen didn't play great. Defense was good, but it's pretty crazy that they've won these two games without having played at what we think of their best. And, and again, it, it's similar to what I said with Aaron Rodgers before the chiefs are the best team in football because they have the most talent and they have the best quarterback in the league. But if you're asking me who played the best football this season, it's the bills. I know that they're the two seed, but you take out the, the Hale Murray, that ridiculous loss that they had to Arizona. They'd be have they'd be riding a 12 game winning streak. Yeah, and, and, and I'll say this very quickly and to, to both your points. First of all, to Lamar, you said it absolutely right. We haven't seen it consistently, and, and that's the point, right? Like, we haven't seen him perform at an elite level consistently for several games. That's the point of the playoffs. It's one and done. You have to. That throw where he threw the pick six, I mean, it's a bad read, and it mm-hmm. happens. I, I, I know it happens. It happens to the best of quarterbacks. But you can't afford to do that. You just can't. That was the difference. That was the win-loss. And had Lamar been in the game for the fourth quarter, would it have been different? I don't think so. They held him in check for three full quarters, I mean, and really gave it to him. Mm -hmm. So I haven't seen enough from Lamar Jackson to put him up there in the top tier of quarterbacks. He's in like 1A, and I know he won the MVP last year. Probably deservedly. I mean, most valuable to your team. Yeah, what do the Ravens Mm -hmm. look like without Lamar Jackson? But I have severe doubts right now that he can even sniff the Lombardi trophy. As for Buffalo, yeah, we knew their offense was good. We knew their defense was good too, but their defense looked crazy yesterday. I mean, just they, they were on lockdown. And you're right, we haven't seen them play at their best football yet. You put Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs really in sync next week, and God, if, if Patrick Mahomes doesn't play, that game's not going to be close. 
Let's do this quickly, Bobby. This week, the Jaguars reached into the college ranks to hire Urban Meyer to be their coach. Do you see it working out? Absolutely. College coach making his NFL debut with what will presumably be Trevor Lawrence, who is a college player, also making his NFL debut. I think it's a match made in heaven. I think they have a ton of cap space. I think Urban Meyer is the guy to do it. I think this team could win as many as eight games next year and then be competitive for in the AFC the following year. It's incredible upside. Great steal from the Jags. Jared, Deshaun Watson is a Texan right now. Jared, ultimately for next year, does Deshaun Watson play any snaps for the Houston Texans in 2021? I'm going to say he does just because we have never seen this before. It's funny because it's the same city as James Harden, who we'll talk about shortly. We have never seen an NFL team trade a quarterback as good as Deshaun Watson at his age under contract. We talk about it all the time. If you have the quarterback, that's the biggest piece you need. I know they won four games this year, but Deshaun Watson is 25. He's arguably the second best quarterback in football. He's at least top five. I think they have to find a way to make this work. Speaking of Houston, Bobby, James Harden made his way out of Houston this week, getting traded to Brooklyn in a blockbuster deal for four first-round picks. Karis LeVert's involved in the trade, Jared Allen, Victor Oladipo indirectly. Bobby, Brooklyn now has Kyrie, we think, KD, and James Harden. Are they now the favorites to win the NBA championship? No, they are still not the favorites. I think they're the favorites to win and to come out of the East, but I don't think there's anybody there, even them, that is good enough to beat L.A. right now. The top two players in the league, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, play for the same team. That's hard to beat. I think that Brooklyn looks great. I wonder how the chemistry is going to work. I think it's going to take some time for that to come through. I think ultimately they'll be just fine. And the other piece I'll say to this, I think the future is bright for Houston, and I think they did an amazing job of getting rid of a cancer. That's exactly what James Harden was, and picking up some real talent. Speaking of Brooklyn, Jared, Kyrie is back or not, or I don't really know, believes in flat earth. What do we do with this whole Kyrie situation? He hasn't been playing for God knows how long. I think it's been six games at this point. I mean, what's, what's the deal? It's got to be so frustrating if you were the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, you brought this guy in with Kevin Durant. Look, they knew when they got him that he's not normal, I guess is the right way to put I mean, look, he's, he's just, he's one of those guys that you never know what you're going to get, but the way he's handling it is just crazy. Like we all agree the social issues that plague the world are a thousand times more important than, than NBA basketball. And if that's what he wants to focus on good for him, but then like, just go all in with that. You can't, you, you can't have it both ways here. I mean, not to say that you can't contribute to social justice initiatives while playing in the NBA. You can, but if that's going to be your sole focus, then take a leave of absence and like communicate that, to your team and to your fans and to the media as a, as, as a whole. It's not that he owes an explanation to the fans, but it's like, what's going on here? If you have a particular social cause that you want to educate the world about, then talk to us and tell us about it. And don't just disappear off the map and not tell your team about, not tell your coach about it. And just like come back when you want to. That's just not the way you handle this kind of thing. He's made himself look terrible. I think he'll be back at some point, but honestly, who the hell knows at this point? Nobody. Nobody knows. The dude's ridiculous and insane. It's absolutely absurd. Bobby, the Australian Open is coming up. The world's number one player, Novak Djokovic, has made a number of demands having to do with staying in quarantine. A bunch of players have already been quarantined. Bobby, should the Australian Open just give in and do what Novak Djokovic wants to get him to play? You mean do what the NBA does and every other NBA team and gives into their players? I mean, this is stupid. This is right on brand for everything that professional athletes right now are representing. This is so dumb. First of all, Djokovic has been an anti-masker in the past, so already mm -hmm. I'm discrediting what he has to say. And also some of the things he wants, he's like, I want, like, what is it, gourmet meals, or he wants, like, real food. He wants uh, access to athletic, uh, like, working out in his hotel room. He wants access to his coach. And it's like, look, bro, I get it. You're number one in the world. You're, you're a big deal, and you want to be able to have the same things that you have when you're an athlete. But also, I don't know, we're living in a pandemic. Like, this isn't normal circumstances. You don't get to be normal and everybody's going to get the same thing. It's not like you're going to go out there and not have access to your trainer and everyone else is going to have access. That's not how that works. You'll be on the same playing field. Get over it. Step up. It's a pandemic. You're an idiot. Shut up. Finally, Jared, it is time for a what to watch for picks. Last week, I told you to watch Minnesota and Michigan, which I know you did. And Minnesota upset Michigan at Minnesota in a blowout. It was fantastic. Jared, what do you got for us this week? Bobby, the easy answer is to say watch Bucks 
Packers, two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But that would be too easy, and I'm not going to go with that. I'll go with Lakers Bucks Thursday night on TNT. We have what we both agree is the best team in basketball right now, the LA Lakers against, I mean, this might be a finals preview, you know, whether, whether Brooklyn comes out of the East or not, Milwaukee is going to have a say in that Giannis is one of the best players in the league. Milwaukee's done a lot to improve their team. So watch this finals preview on Thursday night, Lakers Bucks, Bobby, what are you watching this week? Jared, I'm staying with you on TNT, but I'm going a little bit different. Ladies and gentlemen, Wednesday night, 8 p.m., tune in to see AEW All Elite Wrestling Wednesday Night Dynamite. I know you know me as a professional wrestling guy and a WWE guy, but these guys are the competition, and they're excellent. You can catch their champion, Kenny Omega, who no matter what you think of professional wrestling, the dude is unbelievably entertaining and wildly captivating on the mic, in the ring, athletic, tells a story. You're not going to want to miss it. Kenny Omega, World Heavyweight Champion, AEW, Wednesday night. TNT, if you're listening, we just plugged two of your products. So let's, let's do something together, TNT. I look forward to the sponsorship. All right, Bobby, this is a first for this show. Today we have our first re-entry into the Chatter Chamber. We welcome back Dean Liss. And Adina, I'll kick it over to you to introduce your take. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, Bobby, for having me. So <clears throat> here's my take. Player empowerment has gotten to the point in the NBA where it is actively not only hurting teams, but hurting the league as a whole. Just think back only a few years. What has happened? Anthony Davis, a year and a half on his contract, saying, I'm not playing. I need to be traded to L.A. He goes to L.A. Jimmy Butler doing whatever the heck he did in Minnesota, excuse me, to just torpedo his way out of there. Kyrie just, aside from being a certified weirdo, just giving up on Boston and pretty much forcing his way off the team. Kawhi just apparently getting all this crazy star treatment after he won a few titles. Great. And, and none of this comes out in the media until years later with Kawhi. And then we come to, you know, the elephant in the room, James Harden, a franchise that has for the past six years completely revolved around him. Every single decision they have made has been either implicitly or explicitly approved by Harden. And if anyone doesn't believe that, then honestly, I think they're an idiot. They didn't play basketball. They played Harden. Every single decision they made on a personnel standpoint was revolved around James Harden using his abilities and creating a type of analytical game that, hey, got them very close to a championship. But then Harden does all that, torpedoes relationships, destroys the team, and then says, all right, now what are the consequences of my actions? I have a crappy team, and I'm going to go partying during a global pandemic. But hey, train me to Brooklyn so I can play with my buddies in another major market. And teams are in no-win situations. What are they supposed to do? There's only about 10 or 15 players that actually matter. And if you do anything to, to the player to, you know, find them or suspend them or anything, sure, the players' union will fight you, but who cares? That's always going to happen. More importantly, agents won't like you, and other star players, only people that matter, won't come. So teams have to kind of sit there and take it because, hey, they have an opportunity to get one of the only players that actually matter or said players already on their team. So really, the fault is the NBA as a whole. They, they just kind of sit there and take it. So my point is that like, we've come to a point where it, it's gotten kind of stupid. There's 10 players, 15 players. They just shuttle their way around the major markets, just kind of torpedoing teams, leaving fans in their wake. And all they care about is their own personal brands. And the NBA just like, okay, cool. Like, sure, we don't care about a brand as a whole. Just you do you. And it's just, I, in my personal opinion, we've gotten to the point where I think the league has to clamp down and actually do something and say, hey, like, this is, unprofessional conduct unbecoming to the league you're in breach of contract and we're going to hold you accountable for making decisions and i think that fans are sick and tired of it unless you're a fan of the one team that has like lebron james and anthony Davis or something like that mm -hmm. so i think that you know adam silver has to look himself in the mirror and say hey like what is my point here is my point just to make revenue fine great keep on keeping on you know roger goodell is a great model for that but if your point is to be the steward through a brand and, and create a league that is that is meaningful, right? As they want to do in, in culture and in sports. And like I can say, I have to start holding people accountable for their actions. I find a couple things about what you said super interesting, not the least of which is my own feelings that like, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that this is insane. It's, it's gotten to a point that it is so far out of control that you just demand something and it automatically happens. No ifs, ands, or buts. I don't think anybody was questioning if James Harden was going to get traded. It was a matter of when and to where and was it going to be Brooklyn or Philly. And so we're at this point where that's happening. The one thing I'll ask is, 
it seems like the argument here is like a moral one versus an actual business one. Because to your point, the NBA keeps clicking. They keep moving and the business keeps thriving. As a professional wrestling fan, which I know is a stretch, but a, a friend of the pod, Jacob, has once told me, He's like, listen, he's like, the NBA is just another form of WWE. There are bad guys. There are good guys. And like watching it on Twitter is like this storyline unfolding, which if you are an outside observer of the NBA is absolutely hilarious, like is just ridiculous. Some of the things that happen over Twitter and then watching, you know, James Hardenwood saying at a press conference that it can't be fixed is like, what are you doing? This is insane. So I think if the argument is moral, I totally agree with you, but I'm not sure there's incentive enough for the NBA to say like, well, this is a major problem. This needs to change. I, to- I totally hear that. I think that the only thing that will really kind of push that is when teams in major markets start getting screwed over the way that some other teams have. For sure. Again, to my point before, what, who are, what are the major markets that, that drive most of the revenues of the NBA without obviously having seen any of their actual financials. My, my probably educated guess would be, all right, the two LA teams, Philly, now Brooklyn, Miami, right? I'm sure there's other markets, Boston. I'm sure there's other markets, right? That I'm obviously you know, forgetting about. But my point is that, I, sure. So morally, we all agree, great. But the NBA is a business like everything else in the world. They're a for-profit organization and they decide to, you know, they need to make money. So if LeBron and Anthony Davis leave the Lakers, if Kawhi now, not Paul George signed, but if Kawhi leaves, you know, the Clippers, maybe they have another embarrassing loss this season, Kawhi leaves. Then may, and some of those teams start getting really messed over, and then maybe their, their monetary concerns actually get brought to the forefront because small market teams and middle market teams are always going to be playing from behind. This, this is inevitable that it happens to a major market team. Right now, sure, LeBron wants to play in L.A. and Davis wants to play in L.A., and maybe LeBron's not retiring for 20 years. Now, who knows the way the guy's been going on. But in a few years from now, there's going to be another crop of superstars. And where are they going to want to play? Who knows? Maybe it'll be L.A., but may- maybe it won't be. Maybe it'll be, I don't know, Washington. Maybe it'll be, who Milwaukee. knows? Yeah, Milwaukee. Maybe it'll be Orlando. Maybe it'll be Charlotte. I have no idea. So maybe, in a few, maybe that'll actually be ultimately good for the league when all these major market teams start getting screwed over the same way that, that other teams are now. And then then maybe the, the business decision will come into play. And, and I would also maybe disagree with, with a little bit there. Is it, would it be a poor business decision for the NBA to come in and, I don't know, suspend Harden for six months, two months, one month? Uh, the number is kind of irrelevant. I don't know if they have the, the legal authority to do so under the collective bargaining agreement, but would that be a bad business decision? It's a bad business decision for a team to do that. But for the league as a whole, would that actually cause them to lose revenue on a macro scale? I'm not, I'm not really sure. And I think that in the long term, maybe it causes them to gain revenue. Maybe it causes players to kind of show up and play their hardest every single game to kind of buy into their contract, to buy into their team and understand that, hey, this is a, you know, this is a situation you got yourself into. Now, now uh, you know, man up, take consequence for your actions and, this is the team you're on and do your best. And then that, you know, the revenue will start following. from there. So the question that I have though, and you kind of just alluded to this is what exactly could the NBA do? And you mentioned possible suspension, but the problem that I, that I see with that and forgetting about the, forgetting about the legal aspects of it, let's just say under the CBA, the NBA could do that if they wanted to. I think the example that you just cited in Houston is kind of the turnaround of that because Harden, it's not like he didn't show up physically for the games or the practices, right? Basically what happened was for the season, he made it known that he wanted to be traded, showed up late to training camp. Okay. Maybe, maybe got fined a day or two for coming in late, but he showed up to training camp. He's been going to the practices. He's been going to the games. We all know that he has not been giving his hundred percent, right? He's one of the best scorers in the history of the league. He averaged 35 a game last year. And he's, he was, when he was in Houston for whatever it was, the 10 games this season, he was averaging like 17 a game, obviously not going hundred percent, but you know, the league can't really step in and be like, Hey, it's obvious that you're only playing at 60%. So we're going to suspend you, you know, like there's no, even if they could suspend under the CBA for not showing up, they can't say, well, you're not playing hard enough for our liking. So we're going to suspend you. And I think Harden kind of set a blueprint now for guys going forward where, okay, instead of just not showing up anymore, 
and making it known I want to be traded. I'll just make it known. I'll play the games. I'll go at 50 to 60%. And eventually I'll just make it so miserable for my team and my teammates that they have to trade me. Now, like, you know, the only thing a team really could do is be like, okay, well, we're not trading you. You know, the, the Rockets could have said to Harden, you're under contract for the next two years. You, we own your rights. So you either play for us or you play for no one. So if you don't want to play, that's fine. You sit on the bench for the next two years, basically like the Steelers did with Le'Veon Bell in the NFL. You just won't get paid and that's it. But unfortunately for the team, it's not really a really realistic option because then you lose Harden whenever his contract runs out and you get nothing for him. Right. And you just wasted two years where you weren't competitive because your best player didn't play. You didn't trade him for anything. So kind of echoing what Bobby said, we all agree that the way it was handled is, is disgraceful, right? James Harden signed a contract. He did not live up to that contract. The Rockets lived up to it by, first of all, paying him a salary, which is all they're obligated to do. But more to your point, Adina, at the beginning, doing everything they could to build the championship team around him. You know, it's, it's one thing if, you know, he, he's in this situation where he's stuck on in a, with a franchise that just does not care about winning. They give him a max contract and they are not trying to win a championship. That's not what happened. He was in a great situation where he had a team actively going for it. Really the only team going for it when Golden State was good. Paying him his money and now he just decided, I want to leave. I just don't know what the league can actually do to change that. And also to Bobby's point, you know, we, we kind of hear every so often we've heard this really since the beginning of the heat when LeBron and Wade and Bosch teamed up, it was like, oh, the NBA is so stupid now. There's only a couple of teams that have a chance at winning. And, and people said that for a few years, but it didn't really affect viewership. And then Golden State took it to the next level. And it was like, oh, wow, this is so stupid. They won 72 games last year. And they just added Kevin Durant, who's one of the 20 best players of all time. This is crazy. Again, didn't really do anything. Now we have Harden taking it to the next level in terms of how disgraceful this was. But again, I don't think it's going to, if anything, I think it'll only attract more eyeballs to the TV of people wanting to watch Brooklyn. And I don't know what the league can really do about it. So I, I agree with most of what you said. I think you made a few points, right? A point being that what can the league do about it? And that it doesn't really necessarily matter anyways, because maybe that revenue is going to, people are going to watch it. Okay, cool. So I think that what can the league do about it? I think there's a few different things they can do. To your point, I think that they had a unique opportunity when with, with Harden when he was completely violated, like he didn't show up, right, for a few days, great, not the most uncommon thing in the world as players are holding out or whatever across sports, nothing special, but when he's out at a, you know, certain gentleman establishment in, mm-hmm. during a coronavirus pandemic, I don't know, hundreds of miles, maybe thousands of miles away from where he's supposed to be, I don't have a map in front of me right now, then that is in breach of contract. So now the league could then come in and say, hey, instead of a slap on the wrist, we have a real opportunity to write the ship here. Because as we all know, teams can't do that. Fine, the NBA didn't do that. But now let's pivot a little bit to the Kyrie situation in Brooklyn or whatever in the world is going on there on a professional level. What, what he's doing is, again, completely irresponsible, not even telling your coach where you're going. Not, no, I, no one knows, or if someone does, does know, they have to they've ever shared with anyone, when he's coming back, if he's coming back, and completely pre them trading everything for Harden, just hijacking a franchise and holding them hostage. So again, like, where's the NBA in all this? And then to your, to your other point around the fact that, all right, Harden just kind of showed up, I don't know, maybe 20-ish pounds overweight, and, and he just kind of was meandering his way through games, not really trying, right? He's not, he's not the first one to do that. You know, Vince Carter with the Raptors, the mm-hmm. only blemish on an otherwise completely professional and stellar career. So what can the NBA really do about that? I think what the NBA can do about that is, is devise a rule saying, all right, players are not allowed to publicly request trades until X amount of time is left on their contract. And, and how they would institute that, I don't know. Right? What, again, the devil's on the details. But conceptually, let's just think about that for a second. If Anthony Davis, if Jimmy Butler, if Kyrie Harden, player X, Y, or Z, et cetera, doesn't come out and publicly request a trade, well, now their franchise can actually do something. Right? You, can, you can privately tell your owner, hey, I don't want to be here. And maybe you can say, I'm not, you know, I'm going to pretend I have a back injury, whatever it is, players that all the time, I'm sure. So that's, that's fine, right? And you can maybe even let it, let it, the word be known to your associates, et cetera. But you, when you have this media machine that has never seen anything like this in the history of sports, because technology hasn't existed like this in the history of sports, with Twitter and ESPN every two seconds where I wake up and there's 40 articles about James Harden going to Philly or Brooklyn, right? That, that forces teams' hands. No one else has any leverage. But if, if the NBA institutes a rule, I, again, let's we could think and hypothesize around how this is going to happen, saying that, I don't know, if a 
players are not, or their media or agents are not allowed to publicly request a trade until six months left on their contract, right? Well, now you kind of have righted the balance. You have players who ostensibly will be incentivized to show up and play their hardest that other teams might want to go out and get them or so that their teams can perform well. But when you publicly come out and completely shoot your franchise in the back and say, you've done all this for me, but now I'm not playing, I'm not showing up or I'll show up and I'm, I won't really try or I want to trade, right? You're just ruining the product as a whole. So I think that, that the NBA has to maybe get a little bit creative and, and work with the players union because the players union is going to fight you no matter what you do because they kind of have to, but it's not for the betterment of all their players. It's for the betterment of five players, seven players. So the NBA players union, right? They should be fighting for all, I don't know, 500 players or however many players there are in the NBA. And I think there's, there's real kind of middle ground to be had and that there's real progress that can be made which I think, to, to Bobby's point earlier, will ultimately help the league you know, move forward as a business and, and ultimately make more money. This is a really interesting take. Jared, are you buying or are you selling this take? I'm going to buy it. It's almost like I'm buying it with my heart because if, if we're operating under the presumption like the NBA just wants to make as much money as possible, they probably could do that under the current model where if they don't really do anything. And big markets carry the league, the small markets, whatever. If they, if they break even, great. If not, they're subsidized by the big markets and everyone makes enough money to be happy. But from a fan enjoyment perspective, I do think it sucks right now in terms of like if you root for a small market team, you're on the clock from day one. Like the Pelicans drafting Zion, it's like they're literally, you're on the clock from day one because you know in the back of your head, like we're probably not going to be able to keep this guy for his whole career just because like at some point, you know, because of our limitations, we're not going to be able to attract big free agents, probably. And, and even if we want to spend as much as the big market teams, which we can't really afford to because we don't have the same sort of revenue streams, we're just not going to be able to keep this guy. And, it, and that sucks. I talked about it with Giannis a few weeks ago where everyone was like, oh, cool. Giannis signed a five-year deal. This is so good for the league because he's staying in Milwaukee. But it's like, what happens if a year from now Giannis does the exact same thing Harden does? Like, what if the Bucks go out in, in, in round one of the playoffs, Giannis is unhappy with Drew Holiday and he's just like screw it I don't want to be here anymore because like you guys are capped out there's no real way for you to make the team better and I don't want to be here anymore and and what are the Bucks going to do they could be like all right well we have you under contract for four more years so you're just going to either sit or not play but from what we just saw with Harden on in all likelihood they'll just be like okay well I guess we'll just trade you because we can get assets back for you and at least we can stay competitive and that sucks from a fan's perspective so we'd have to work through how exactly you could do this. Cause I don't think it's just by suspending people, but I I'm buying it from, from a fan's perspective from league wide. Again, like if you're a Laker fan, great. You don't care. Cause you're always gonna have a chance to get those guys, but for, for the health of the overall league, cause the argument then just becomes, all right, let's just have a 10 team league. Then let's have two teams in LA, a couple of teams in New York, Philly, Boston, and just forget about the rest of the league because like nobody wants to play there anyway. And that's just not fun for everybody else, you know? So for those reasons, I'm going to buy the take. Where are you at, Bobby? I think ultimately I'm buying the take as well. I think that the counter to my point earlier about it, you know, they're making money, is that the truth is they're going to make money either way. Mm-hmm. And I think that let's say that we did, let's say that the NBA did suspend Harden for two months, three months, six months, short. Is it good for the NBA in the moment to have one of their top scorers in the league and one of the most entertaining players out of the league for half or an entire season? Probably not. But is it going to move the needle that much or even at all? Also, probably not. Also, your point about Giannis is, is really good. And we've spoken about that before, God knows how many times, that you're right. If he's unhappy after year one, would any of us be surprised if he's gone? It, it wouldn't be out of the question. And so I think there's a lot to be said for competitive balance. I think there's a lot to be said that if you look at the four major sports, the NBA kind of represents for now that like moral compass of like a well-run league, or at least has, it certainly isn't baseball. It certainly isn't football, maybe the NHL, but Adam Silver does a great job. The idea with like, you know, NBA cares is a great thing. And it's just, it's, it's a well-run place. And this is kind of like a black and blue mark on that. And to clean that up, make the league better morally, visually, and also hold these people accountable for like, just straight up, you're in breach of contract. You, you, what you're doing is legally wrong. There's a lot to be said for that. And, and I think that would be great. And for those reasons, I am also buying it two for two. Congratulations, man. I avenged my uh, previous 
appearance when I got 0 for 2. So I'm taking this <laughs> 2 for 2 real well, you know. But, um, you know, glad you guys fought the take. And now, uh, Adam Silver, if you're listening to this, give me a call and we'll talk the details. We'll get him on next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adeen, congratulations on your victory in the Chatter Chamber this week. We hope to have you back again soon. Anytime. Have a great night, gentlemen. So, Chatter Up listeners, we had our whole episode recorded Monday evening, just about ready to go. And then at about 11 p.m., Jeff Passan breaks this story on ESPN.com that newly hired Mets general manager Jared Porter had sent countless messages, including lewd pictures, to a foreign reporter by this morning. Jared Porter had been fired by the Mets. And so we are going to break from our usual podcast format because we felt like this was a pretty big story and that we had to address it outside the confines of what did I miss? So Bobby, you've read the story. I've read the story. There are a number of disturbing aspects to it. And there are a number of angles that we could talk about it. I don't know that we'll be able to hit all of them here, but what jumped out to you immediately upon getting through the story? That the guy is able to put together a really good face to get whatever job he wants, when in reality, he's a psychopath. It was what, like 60, 70 text messages that he sent that basically went unresponded to? Yes, yeah, 62, according to the story. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, you send one or two, and you're kind of feeling like, oh, maybe I'm going to get ghosted here. Three or four, you start to get the point. After 60, you're probably like, there's something really wrong with me here. And so, like, there's, there's that angle, right? Like, he's just insane. Two, I think the Mets made the right decision in getting rid of him. This can't be tolerated, although what, what a total Met thing to happen. And I know that probably hits a little too close to home for you. Yeah. But, like, just hired a month ago this brand-new GM to take over. And within a month, he's gone and they have a GM vacancy right before spring training. I mean, there's, there's a lot of layers to that. But, like, just – as a human being, this is bad. This is disgusting. This has no place in any part of our culture. It is, I, I would venture to say, rampant in the sports world. And I'm glad this person came forward. I wish they did four years ago when it happened in 2016. But this is, this is just a bad look. It's a bad look for sports in general. It's a bad look for baseball. I think the Mets come out of this okay. From a PR perspective, I don't think they did anything wrong. But they have a hole to fill both on the moral spectrum of things and, and professionally in their general manager role. Yeah. I mean, first things first, you're right. You obviously feel really bad for this woman who, according to the story, changed careers just to get away from this whole thing. It's sad. I mean, it's weird because this offseason started out with like a good story on that front where the Marlins hired Kim Ang to be their GM. She's the first female general manager in major right. league baseball history. Right. And you're like, Oh, cool. Like, Things are getting better. And then you read the story, which is abhorrent. And then you read all these women on Twitter who are in this industry, whether it's working for teams in sports or sports journalism. And it's sad to see how many of them are like, yeah, this is like not a surprise at all. Either they've had personal experiences that are similar to this or on that level, or they know people who've had many people who've had the same experience. So that sucks. It's like you think we're making progress, but then you find out not really. And it sucks. You, you feel really bad for this woman. And I mean, what's crazy with this whole thing with Jared Porter is like, this guy got to a point where he became the general manager of a major league baseball team. Like you would think to be the general manager of a major league baseball team, you have to be, of course, smart. And you have to be like normal with like regular social skills. Like you have to have interviewed pretty well to be hired for this job. And then on the other hand, you think like this person who sent 62 unresponded to messages and just kept pushing and pushing and pushing there's something wrong with him like you would expect that from a crazy person who would not be qualified or thought well of enough to get a major league general manager's job so it's, it's just crazy and you're, and you're right look it's embarrassing for the Mets in the sense that yeah they just hired this guy and it looks bad for them I do I think they did anything wrong here no, I think they handled it as they should have. Now, you could say, well, they should have known about this before. It's impossible to answer that question. I mean, 
they say they did a background check. Sandy Alderson held a press conference today. He says they did a normal background check, which I believe is true. You don't think they would hire someone to this magnitude of a job without doing that. And of course, they called references. But what was kind of striking in that press conference was Sandy Alderson said, we called a bunch of references and everyone had glowing things to say about him. And that's what was reported when the Mets first made the hire. Everyone on Twitter in the industry was like, wow, Porter, great guy. This is a good hire for the Mets because he's just like, besides for the fact that he's a good baseball man, he's a good dude. And that's obviously not true. But somebody asked him, like, did you talk to any women? And he was like, no, because unfortunately, there just aren't that many in prominent positions in baseball. So there wasn't really anyone to reach out to to ask about it. And that was sad to hear because, like I said, we think that we're making progress here. And maybe we are, but it's, it's, it's really, really slow. But, but like I said, the Mets, I think they handled it the right way. They found out about it last night. A few hours later, my guess is after going through all the organizational protocols and talking to legal counsel, they fired Porter this morning, as they should have. But I mentioned this to you off the air. It all felt a little bit hollow. And like I said, they didn't do anything wrong here, but I think we both agree if this exact same thing had happened, but instead of involving their GM, it involved a prominent player. And I'm not going to name any names because there's no reason to throw any names out here. But if it was a prominent Mets player that this had happened to, neither of us think that that person would have been released this morning. Like Porter was. And I think that that's not a Mets thing. That's a sports thing, right? We've seen it time and again, cases of domestic violence where teams are, you know, find out about it and then, they might suspend the guy. They'll have him do some sort of community initiative and make it seem like he feels remorse for it. And the guy might. But very rarely do they lose their job. And, and it's hard to think that we're making that much progress if that's still the case. Yeah, there's, there's no way in the world. I mean, there already have been things that have happened to so many different athletes. And with the exception of guys like Kareem Hunt and Ray Rice, they just get a slap on the wrist, a fine, a suspension, something. Very rarely do you see them lose their job, and certainly not on a permanent basis. Yep. And this this is definitely something that could not only cost Jared Porter his job, but his entire stature in baseball and, 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 and any position moving forward. I mean, what kind of organization is going to want to hire a guy like that? And it's very different with a player, right? Like Cleveland picks up Kareem Hunt, and everybody – we've mentioned this before people they look the other way they say well you know he's different he's changed and he's really good for the football team is that a thing that exists in front office positions I don't think so that just that doesn't happen when these kinds of things come out there's really it's really hard to come back from in those kinds of things and so yeah I mean on, on, on your point about Kim Ang like that's amazing and showing a lot of progress and on this end of things it's like well you know, one step forward, two steps back. It's 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 just not a good look. And 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 the other piece of this, which is absolutely far and away second, third, and fourth to the main point. But I also wonder how this affects the Mets moving forward in terms of signing free agents. Yep. Does a guy like George Springer say like, well, actually, this doesn't seem like a real stable organization right now. Do I really want to come here? Like, what what's the perception of the Mets moving forward? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. We've never seen really something like this, a guy high, you know, I mean, we saw it with Beltran last year from the manager's perspective, but from, from the GM's perspective, it's it's pretty unique. And I think, you know, I guess from a Mets perspective, now you're right, they'll have to they'll have to hire at some point a new GM. But the Porter story itself is probably over with this. Like I said, I don't think we're going to find out that the Mets knew about this and hired him because that would just be crazy. I mean, what organization would bring that upon themselves for Jared Porter? You know, I mean, why would anyone bring this upon themselves in general, but specifically for a, a first time GM who's proven nothing? I don't think the Mets found out about this and were like, well, we really like him. So we're just going to hope that this doesn't get out. But I think the thing that's still to come is the Cubs role in all this. And I'm not trying to like take away from the main story, which again is we feel really bad for this woman. It sucks that she had to change her career and that, she had to experience this. That sucks. But she told someone about it. As per the story, she got in touch with someone from the Cubs who Porter was working with at the time. This was in 2016. Yep. It was someone from her 
home country. And that's another aspect, by the way, of this that we didn't touch on. She's not from here. English is her second language, which makes it like even more disturbing because she was even more vulnerable. I mean, someone in this position is always going to be vulnerable, someone who's on the other end of an abusive power. But this is not her native culture. This, she doesn't, English is her second language, which makes it even more disturbing. But anyway, she got in touch with someone from the Cubs organization who's from her home country. And according to that person, he never told anyone else with the Cubs about this. It's never, it, it was, I guess this person, for whatever reason, did not deem it important enough to bring to the attention of any of his superiors at the Cubs or any of Jared Porter's superiors. But we'll see if that's the whole story because the Cubs released a statement last night saying, well, if we knew about this, we of course would have fired him. And again, I'm going to assume that's true because again, it's, it's just in the world we live in now. I mean, 50 years ago, this was way more likely to have been swept under the rug than it is now. You know, in the, in this era of me too, I would not think that the Cubs would be dumb enough to just try to sweep this under the rug. But I think we're going to find out one way or the other, because it, it sounds like major league baseball is going to do an investigation into this because it's a big deal. I mean, it's, you said it, it's a terrible look for sports in general, but just on, on, you know, in this focus on baseball as a whole. Yeah. Let's, I mean, this is, it's, it's such a dark day for baseball and a dark day for sports. Let's hope this is dealt with swiftly and justly and that these kinds of things are rooted out permanently because there's, there's no place for this in sports. Jared, I'm pulling a James Harden and I am demanding out of this position as I see Clearly, you want Robert Sala in here, and so I am demanding a trade elsewhere. Figures. I mean, you showed up out of shape for this podcast, clearly not interested, so it, it's not a surprise you're invoking James Harden's name here. It's the only way to do it, because clearly that's how people get their way. However, until I am traded, I will still be here with you, posting Chatter Up, and next week we got another great episode. You're not going to want to miss it. Some more What Did I Miss? Some more trivia some more fun and games, some more in Jared and Bobby taking jabs at each other. And I'm sure I'll say something controversially wrong about Tom Brady. <laughs> and of course, thank you to Adeem List for joining us in the Chatter Chamber this week. If you, you, person listening right now out there, has an idea for the Chatter Chamber, hit us up. You can text us, you can call us, or you could do it the old-fashioned way. Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at chatter underscore up or send us an email chatter podcast at gmail.com we would absolutely love to have you in the chatter chamber 100 percent. robert sala and jared would love to have you in there while i sit out and demand a trade otherwise jared i'm gonna see you next week bud you ready for that i don't know if you're being serious or not here i can't tell anymore but yes i'm gonna take you at your word yes i'm excited for next week let's do it <laughs> Yeah, you know, you never know what you're going to get. But let's do it then, and we'll see you all next week on the next Chatter Up.